Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Karen Walker. She's a senior strategic advisor, consultant, author, speaker, and a contributor to the Harvard Business Review. Karen, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. I am very happy to be here. So let's dive in. What book or books have you written and, and which one would you like to share and, and, and talk about? Oh, well, great place to start. Uh, so I have a book called No Dumbing Down, which is basically a primer for CEOs, uh, subtitled A No-Nonsense Guide for CEOs on Organization Growth. Um, so in my, I'm an industrial engineer by degree, and I've worked in, in tech my whole life, high-growth tech. Um, and these, this is basically a distillation of all the lessons I learned when I uh, worked at Compact Computer. Uh, I was um, employee 104 there. We had no revenue and uh, no, um, hadn't shipped any product when I joined. And I was there for 14 years and was part of the leadership team as we went from no revenue to $15 billion and from 104 employees to about 17,000. So I took those lessons, and there were many, uh, and distilled them uh, into a handful, and I've applied those and, and, and refined them um, over my past two decades in uh, working with uh, senior leaders in uh, high-growth industries. So let's talk about your experience, because again, it's, 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 it's always so powerful and meaningful to learn from people like yourself who've seen this trajectory, right? You know, like some people fear about starting a company, and then one of the things is like, you know, getting an exit and having a billion dollars in revenue. So I'm curious, the, the billion dollar thing is often quite big for any company, frankly. So like from the revenue standpoint, what were some things that you saw that your leadership team that you were a part of were able to do and implement to, to really scale a company? Again, whether it's a computer company like Compaq or, or any company, frankly, what, what were some like, points that you saw that was important to scale a business past the billion dollar mark? Yes. Um, so there, um, as I say, there are a handful of those. Um, at Compaq, we were the fastest to a billion in revenue. And I, I point that out because today there are a lot of quote billion dollar companies, but they're billion dollar valuations, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a different thing. Um, uh, but we, we were, it was, you know, it was a fairy tale. There was no way to know that this was going to happen. Certainly we weren't planning for it. Uh, had we had we known the growth was going to come that quickly, we might have done things differently. Uh, but I'd say that the key areas uh, to focus on and part of what made us successful uh, was that we had teams uh, that that were able to work at their full potential because they didn't have to dumb down. And by that, I mean that every individual was able to work at their potential and their capacity uh, and allow the team to do the same thing. Um, we had uh, processes, tools, behaviors uh, that weren't stuck uh, in some status quo, but were agile and able to be responsive to keep up with the change. Uh, it doesn't mean we didn't have any processes that weren't standardized. Absolutely, we did. We were, we were quote, a big company in its formative stages. We knew we would be a big company. We just didn't know exactly uh, what that would look like. Uh, but we weren't, uh, we weren't wed to to processes and procedures when they didn't serve us and our customers. Um, we really rewarded people and hired people who were able to, um, who were curious and who were able to deal with ambiguity, which I think is something that is greatly undervalued in many companies today because there's 
uh, I mean, never mind today with the global pandemic, but just in, in general, that the ability to deal with the unknown and prepare for that uh, is, should be a highly valued skill in the organizations. Um, because otherwise, when unexpected things happen, you can careen off in directions that you weren't expecting, uh, and that'll undermine your critical strategies if, you, if you're not prepared for dealing with uncertainty. And then um, lastly, I think the thing that uh, the Compact did particularly well is that we had uh, an emphasis on the long view. It's not to say that we weren't concerned with making sure that we hit investor expectations every quarter, uh, but we did not frequently um, uh, emphasize the short term and the urgent over the long term. So that we, we were careful to put scalable, replicable processes in place wherever we could. Uh, that could both serve us today and that could grow for the future. And those are the things that serve the foundation for our growth. That's great. And you've had your own consultancy for, for some years now. Can you share with us some examples of clients you've worked with? Again, you don't need to mention names, but just like really share with us maybe a problem they had and how you're able to really transform and help them scale or build their company. Oh, yes. So uh, my work tends to fall into three or four different areas. One is sort of uh, CEO coaching, executive team development, um, strategy and planning, um, turnarounds or transformations, uh, and mergers and acquisitions. Uh, and I'm not so much deciding who you should acquire or merge with, but more about how do we make that be successful. Uh, I'm fond of saying that a lot of people get rewarded for, uh, for making the deal happen, uh, but not very many people get rewarded for making the deal work. And so mm. my focus is on making that deal work. And so uh, working with a multitude of organizations, both for-profit and not-for-profit, although my work tends to be in the for-profit arena, um, to make sure that they're clear about what is the value that they expect to get out of the, the event. Uh, and then how do we go about getting that value, which involves um, an integration playbook, basically, uh, where we look at the system and decide from a system standpoint you know, who has, the, who has the better technology, who has the better process, who has the, the right people before what we need today and what we need tomorrow, and then having uh, processes in place that allow us to smoothly transition, integrate, and take advantage of those. That's great. You know, I like people who are unique and they stand out. So on your LinkedIn profile, it literally says like where you are, but then it also says, but most often found aloft in C2C. <laughs> Yes, so, that was uh, until recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what was your, your reason for just putting that, just saying, hey, yo, I'm busy, I'm, I'm in first class, don't talk to me, and I travel a lot? <laughs> oh, I didn't mean don't talk to me. It means you could find me there. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, A, it was something people remember, right? And, yeah, and it not is. Pick it up is it, as, as, as you just did. Um, I certainly didn't mean it to be um, off-putting in any way. No, no, I'm just kidding, uh, but but yeah. I do, I do, I do travel a lot. I mean, clearly um, not in this moment, but um, I, I do a lot of work uh, and have now for uh, decades um, online because I was a, a very early adopter with technology since I went to work in tech early. Uh, and I've um, always been curious about new technology and how to use it. Um, so I'm quite comfortable and do now, even with the travel that I do for my consulting, I still do probably half of my work um, online. But oftentimes at the beginning of an engagement, if you can get together face-to-face, -to -face, um, it definitely um, helps you build relationships. And so 
I both do it and I encourage my clients to do it. For example, I work with uh, many distributed teams. In fact, I'm trying to think if I have a single client who everyone is in the same city in the, or even in the same time zone. I don't think so. Uh, but to, to take those um, distributed teams and to, to be able to bring them together, uh, which we're now doing, now doing virtually, but to bring them together and really focus on chartering uh, these groups correctly so they're clear about what success looks like, uh, what the strengths are, what the development needs are of the team. Um, I think that's uh, really important. And if you can do that in person, terrific. It just accelerates everything. Um, if not, then uh, then having to do that virtually, which is sometimes the case, uh, you can still get 80% of the way there and um, always always better than, than skipping that step. Yeah. No, the reason I mentioned the two C is because like, some people think, oh, is it really worth it to fly first class? And what are your points on that from a relationship standpoint and ah, standpoint, find it's helpful? Yeah. 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 So uh, for me, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. worth it. And, yeah. and the reason is, you know, we have, we have many resources in our lives, uh, but time is the one limited resource that we have. And um, if I, the, the whole process of travel in and of itself, you just put yourself in the mindset of I'm in a transportation zone. Now I just need to get to where I'm going. But for those of us that travel a lot, it's not like, oh, you know, I have three or four hours this month where I'm not going to be very productive because I'm traveling. It's like, oh, I have eight to 10 hours this week where I'm traveling and might not be so productive. And so I'm not willing to give that time up. Uh, and I, I do find that being able, you know, just getting on the plane early and getting situated yeah, uh, yeah. for me is worth a great deal. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, and, and the funny thing is, again, I, I prefer the two seat too, because I don't, like people might not know this, but the, the one seat, the, there's no, you can't put stuff underneath the, the front right. seat because there's no front seat. So that's why I was chuckling because I actually prefer two too. And again, for the people that are listening, because this podcast is all about how do you learn, how do you grow? And now you know not everyone might have the resources to fly first class, but ultimately when you have the ability to you have a different experience. You go to different lounges, you meet different people. And since this podcast is mostly for entrepreneurs, you're going to meet your clients a lot higher potential if they're in first class, provided they're not like, you know, life lab beds and you have like little boots. But the point is you just meet people that usually will, will be a little bit more along in their success in, in life. And that allows you to learn more, grow more and potentially work with them. So Karen, thanks so much for your insights and your unique perspective on leadership. How can our guests stay in touch with you? Uh, well, the easiest way is to follow me on social media where I am Karen Walker US um, or uh, to visit my website, which is KarenWalker.us. Uh, not to mean that I only work in the US, but KarenWalker.com <laughs> is owned by a very famous New Zealand fashion designer. So I probably will not be getting that. Uh, who, know, who knows her? We know you. <laughs> That's right. So uh, KarenWalker.us or KarenWalkerUS. Great. Karen, thanks so much for your time. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Christopher.